How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 106 of X-Lapsed, where we're uh, kind of off the path to Exosords, and we're uh, into one of the prelude issues here. Not to say we're not going to go back on the path, because I think we might, but this is a prelude issue. So we get two of these, so this is kind of like the first half of part zero to the massive crossover event that we'll be spending... Well, an entire month on. <laughs> very, 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 very soon. Uh, let's start this one. This is Excalibur, uh, by the way. Uh, we're going to talk about the cover here because I knew that the cover featured Saturnine playing chess and then someone playing chess with her. But every time I looked at it, I could have sworn it was Emma Frost. Uh, they look too damn similar. Um, they uh, There's really not a whole lot to tell them apart by if you look at them quickly. So... This entire time we're getting to this issue, I'm like, ah, well, Emma's going to be part of it. And no, of course not. This is Saturnine. And uh, if you're not familiar with the cover image, it is Saturnine playing chess with all of our Excalibur characters on the board. But then there's a giant apocalyptic hand over her head as though it's going to play her as a piece as well. Let's get into it. This is Excalibur Volume 4, Number 12. Had a November 2020 cover date. The story is called Verse 12, The Beginning. Written by Teeny Howard, with art by Marcus Toe. Colors, Eric Arshinaiga. Letters, VCs, Ariana Marr. Designs, Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits, Bisa white Sabolsky. Cover price, $4, and went on sale September 16th of 2020. Now, we are right away with the roll call here. We don't get a cold open, so let's get into who we're going to be focused on today. We've got Apocalypse, Gambit, Rogue, Richter, Betsy Britton, and Saturnine. Then, our double-page spread of creds, which welcomes us to the beginning of our mass crossover event. And then we kick off the comics bit with, uh, well, some externals. Um, they were at the Eternal Caldara at Krakoa. And there, he is met by his original Covenites, the externals. And yeah, they're still pretty boring. Now, they yammer on a bit about their connection and their communion, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on. And uh, also the fact that uh, their special gift of resurrectability, well, it ain't so special anymore, you know, considering that every mutant can do it now. The externals take this as them being referred to as obsolete, when I think the word all Saul was actually looking for was redundant. Now, Apocalypse assures them that this isn't the case at all, as the externals were still his, still first, right, and therefore still important. Let's meet our external High Lords with a roll call of their own. We've got Apocalypse again. Cruel, Nicodemus, Kandra, Selene, Friggin' Gideon, Saul, and Absalom. 
On this info page, because this is an info page, we see a list of two external gifts, resurrection, which is self-explanatory, and communion, which is to say that anywhere these folks are, they can find each other, and they can come back together. Let's get back to comics here, and we are back with Richter still emerging through that otherworldly Krakoan gateway that we saw him go through last issue. Now, he's fallen, he's fallen, he's fallen, he's scratching, he's flailing, let's say, until he emerges right where all the externals are, thanks to A's guidance. Now, upon his arrival, the High Lords proclaim that Richter is not a High Lord. He's not an external. To which Apocalypse seems to change the subject, I think. And he suggests that the externals do their duty, which is to give up their ancient bones to power the Krakoan Gateway to Saturnine's Citadel. And if they don't agree with this, he'll kill them? I feel like I'm missing something here. Now, Richter, he's just as confused as I am. He informs him, and us, that the externals must die in order to power both Richter and that gateway. And again, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, my reading comprehension is sometimes quite lacking, but eh, I don't know. This is all going somewhere, though. It's just uh, taken a while. A then calls Celine, Richter, and Gideon to his side, which tells us that the rest are probably going to be serving as the sacrificial lambs to power this gateway. Oh, Absalom will also wind up making it. Saul manifests into a giant dragon, or just manifests a giant dragon? I don't know. We, we get several pages of a dragon, is what I'm trying to say here. Blowing fire, snorting, being angry. Then, A says our ritual's about to begin... And I'm really, really sorry if this comes across as confusing, but to little old me, it, it kind of is. I mean, not even an info page can help us, because, well, our next info page is one of those pages out of A's grimoire, which make no sense to begin with. You know, I'm, now more than ever, it makes no sense. Let's get back to comics here. And Nicodemus, Saul, Cruel, and Kandra are dead. Their essences, their bones, their souls, or whatever the hell it is, they turn to red crystal. Except for Kandra, who is empty, and has been for a while. So, Nicodemus, Saul, and Cruel, they've got these giant red crystals just around them, right? Around their corpses here. Kandra doesn't have any of that. And I mean, we did see them turn her essence, or whatever it was, into that red gemstone just last issue in the flashback, right? So this shouldn't be all that big a surprise to Apocalypse, should it? But it is anyway. I, I know I asked this a lot when we read next Excalibur, but did I miss an issue? I really feel like I did. Okay, let's shift scenes over to Otherworld, where we left Rogue and Gambit, who were rifling through Saturnine's closet. They found that red gemstone, which I totally didn't realize was Kandra's soul, essence, bones, whatever the hell it was last issue, which certainly speaks to my muddled reading comprehension, doesn't it? Anyway, here we are in the Citadel with Gambit and Rogue. And Kandra, who is now haunting Gambit since he's carrying around her soul or whatever. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this sort of connection between the two of them. This one goes way back to, to Gambit's earliest series. Now Gambit chats up Kandra, who's while walking slightly behind Rogue, who somehow doesn't hear all that much from this somewhat contentious discussion he's having with a spirit. Let's head over a few rooms and meet back up with Betsy and Opal Luna Saturnine here. Now, Saturnine laments that Betsy's all that remains of the Captain Britain Corps. 
and talks about how Betsy's beautiful blonde British brother Brian was so much better in the role. They then go up an elevator and enter a room where we see those odd current year Excalibur themed Captain Britons all shacked up in crystal. Now this is that rogue Richter Gambit and Jubilee versions of Captain Britain here where they're all, you know, union jacked up. And I figure if this was a Star Wars comic, these would already have action figures out, you know. Now Saturnine refers to these various disparate captains as abominations. And they talk a little bit more about how Betsy is a mutant Captain Britain and how that doesn't exactly ease any of Saturnine's concerns because, in case you didn't know this, people tend to hate mutants. I mean, we don't go more than a handful of pages in these books without that reminder, but here it is again. Let's jump back to Krakoa. Now, A.E. is trying to figure out his next step and even consider sacrificing himself again in order to power this gateway. Back to the Citadel, there's an alarm sounding. And in fairness, Gambit did steal a great big gemstone out of Saturnine's closet, so yeah, alarms might sound. Now, Kandra asked that Gambit turn her essence over to Saturnine, as it would save her from Apocalypse. And if you recall, Gambit is not keen on doing anything that might help Apocalypse after all the stuff that went down with Rogue during the first arc of this volume. Saturnine then calls for her priestesses to destroy the Krakoan Gate, which Betsy ain't keen on at all. He calls out to her, claiming that he feels Kandra's soul is nearby her. And she figures out that the big old gem that Gambit stole is Kandra's soul, and he asks for him to toss it through the gateway to Apocalypse. And after a little bit of internal struggle, Gambit does just that. We wrap up with the powered gateway to the Starlight Citadel, and a lot less optimism from your humble host as it pertains to our upcoming X of Ten's month of reviews. But that's where we leave it. Next episode, we finally wrap up the Giant Size books with Giant Size X-Men colon Storm number one. So let's talk about Excalibur. Let's talk about Excalibur. Do you all like this issue? I didn't. <laughs> I, I really just didn't understand it. Um, now, do I attribute much of this issue to my inability to follow a simple story, or do I attribute it to the nebulous otherworld effect? I know I would like to just blame the story for being nonsensical and all over the place, but for that to be true, this would have had to have been written in English, run through Google Translate into several different languages, and then back again. And I really don't think that was the case. So this was probably just a situation in which I didn't get it. And I mean, it's almost, a, it's almost a meme at this point, but I feel like every time we cover an issue of Excalibur on the show, I mention that I can't shake the feeling that we're missing something. Or, or more like I'm missing something. I don't want to speak for everybody. I feel like I'm missing maybe context, story, pages, I don't know. Maybe I just have a weird intentional blind spot to all this other world stuff where I, I subconsciously purge bits and pieces of this from my brain. I don't know. I don't know, it's just, uh, I'm always feeling like I'm like I'm two steps behind where this book needs me to be in order to fully appreciate it. And I mean, maybe that's on purpose, or maybe I'm just an idiot. That's always a possibility. It's a probability, as a matter of fact. I read this issue twice, and I still just, like, I don't get where we're, what we're doing here. I don't know where... I don't know how we got to where we're at in a lot of cases, and I don't know what the point of a lot of things are here. I mean, let's talk about some of the things we got here. 
We introduced the external element to this to this story just last issue, and here we are killing off half of them. Feels kind of strange. Um, we also get an entire scene last issue where Kandra has her soul placed into a gem with the help of all of the externals, and here is surprised to find out that she no longer has a soul? I mean, did I miss something? Was there something here that was plainly obvious that I just maybe glossed over? I mean, I must have, right? I mean, if there's anybody listening who would like to set me straight, please, please do. Just be gentle, because, you know, this book is making me feel dumb enough as it is. Um, It's still beautiful. still really, really nice to look at. But as far as the story goes, I feel like we're getting... Just a mishmash of cool scenes without anything to bridge them together. You know, it's like, I really want to do this scene where Gambit steals this gem. But it's just there. It just it doesn't feel organic. Uh, maybe a little convenient, you know. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm ill-equipped to discuss this issue. And I apologize for doing it uh, perhaps a grand disservice in trying. But uh, I'm confused. Uh, I'm not optimistic for what's to come. I My saving grace here is that everything in our 22-23 part crossover that's coming will have to be in some semblance of order, right? So everything will lead to the next chapter, and hopefully every time I get to an Excalibur chapter, I won't be rifling through my long boxes to make sure I didn't miss something. That would be a delight, but... uh. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, beautiful book. A lot of interesting bits in this. But the way it was presented was uh, maybe just a little too over your humble host's head, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's where we'll leave it today. Um, now, that was Excalibur number 12. Let's uh, hop into the mailbag before we cut out of here today. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about Hellions number 3. He says, you're right to say that this issue really does make villainy sound like a logical response from Maddie when you consider what she's been through. Turns out editorial fiat is the biggest villain. Now, Hellions, uh, that first arc there was such a uh, such an interesting study for a character like Madeline Pryor, who, uh, and I mean, I've said this pretty much every episode since we've covered it, um, she's acting the way she is, um, in order to leave a mark, in order to make it known that she existed. And uh, it's something that really speaks to me. I like it a lot. Damien continues, Generally speaking, I continue to enjoy Hellions. I find it weird that I don't get upset by the ultraviolence in Hellions, but it often annoys me in X-Force and Wolverine. I think the difference is tone. Hellions has a very consistent voice where X-Force is all over the place, veering from try-hard comedy to attempts at geopolitics. Yes, <laughs> I agree 100%. I feel like with Hellions, and I, I, I loathe to use the Suicide Squad comparison, because, uh, I mean, to me, Suicide Squad is not really a slapsticky book. I, I don't know what the movie was like. I'm assuming it was a little bit more over the top than what we'd usually get from the comic. But... I, I hate to compare it to that, but I feel like tonally there might be uh, some parallels, some similarities here, to where when we see over-the-top violence, it, it kind of works. Whereas X-Force, like you said, it, it doesn't have an identity. I mean, in any issue of X-Force, we could jump from laughing at the fact that Quentin Quire died again, to body horror, to CIA talk to rounding up Russian mutants. I mean, it, 
it, it's all over the place. It is all over the place. And Wolverine, I mean, is in the similar boat there. So yeah, Hellions, it really just works for it. Uh, Damien continues, I know that nostalgia is a huge part of my affection for this book. Using characters from the Australian era puts it right in my sweet spot, but that's not the whole reason, as I'm also beginning to understand the point of Quinan. In fact, it amazes me that the second wave of Dawn of X has managed to get me to care about characters from Fallen Angels. Both Kid Cable and Psylocke have been revitalized. It's miracle far more impressive than the Resurrection Protocols. And no doubt, no doubt, I think that's where a lot of my trepidation for... Uh, Wave 2 in general came from was the fact that Fallen Angels was just such a dud. And uh, seeing Psylocke uh, Quanan on the covers of Hellions made me worry that we were going to get more, you know, purple prose and uh, butterfly talk and this isn't my body talk. You know, I I was really worried that it was going to be more of the same. And then we have Kid Cable who, boy, he's (laughs) they're killing it in that book. And I mean, let's take it a step further here. X-23 is currently in the vault, you know, dressed as Kid Wolverine again. So Fallen Angels, why in the hell did that exist? Did it exist? Did we dream it? <laughs> is that, I mean, it, it hurt us enough, so it, uh, so it, we know it exists, just like Madeline Pryor, right? It hurt us, so it existed. Uh, it just feels such a, like, such a weird thing. Where I, I wonder if it's even going to get a mention again. I wonder if halfway through that series, because it was never announced as a limited series, right? I think we were supposed to believe it was going to be an ongoing, just like the rest, the other five uh, launch titles for Dawn of X. When, uh, when I ordered issue six from DCBS, it didn't say final issue. And then next month when number seven didn't come out, I didn't. I was just like, oh, well, okay, we're skipping this month. And then the following month when issue seven didn't come out again, it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's done now. So it really didn't make it seem like it was a done deal, at least to me from, you know, the periphery. But yes, Hellions is doing a, actually Wave 2 is doing a great job in revitalizing some of these characters that I never thought that I'd give half a damn about. But uh, they are... They're really doing well here. And now Damien wraps it up with, Anyway, until Arclight gets her own cooking show, make my next lapse. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I would want to watch that cooking show there. Uh, her, uh, her appetite is for, uh, is for flesh, so we don't want to see that. It, it's weird. That's one of the very few things on this planet that freaks me out is cannibals. Because, uh, you know, I talk about getting lost in how the... How the sausage is made, and that is certainly a situation where I do not want to know how the sausage is made, literally and figuratively. It just really, really gets under my skin. But uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts on uh, Hellions. Next up, we've got a two-parter from our friend Evan Bevins. First, he's going to talk about Phoenix Resurrects Lapsed. Now, he says, I finished up Resurrects Lapsed, which Alexa pronounces very well. I agree, the finale was a little underwhelming. For me, that was due in part to having the ending summed up from a different perspective in another title. Spoilers don't necessarily negate the enjoyment of an excellent story, but knowing where this one was headed stole a little bit of the thunder for me. A relatively minor quibble I had was Old Man Logan, back in issue 4, enjoying killing Madroxes. Isn't his his whole raison d'etre that he accidentally killed the X-Men while under Mysterio's influence? I know he eventually popped the claws again and led to the horrendous finale, but still, it's kind of like Magic's broccoli genocide remark in Empire X-Men number 2. 
It may have seemed funny in the script, but it really didn't fit. And I agree, 100%. For folks who just listen to, uh, you know, X-Lapsed Classic and don't uh, don't veer into the Sunday specials, um, the second one we did was Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey. And as Evan is mentioning here, in the fourth issue, the X-Men are trying to find Jean Grey, and they uh, wind up in this otherworldly, elsewhere place, right? That's a... a an environment being curated by the Phoenix, basically, to keep Jean sequestered long enough for her to become the host for the the Phoenix Force. Now, inside this little sequestered elsewhere are a bunch of dead mutants. So, among them, I guess Jamie Madrox was dead at this point. I don't know how he died, but he was dead at this point. And so, when the X-Men came in, they were attacked by a bunch of these then-dead mutants. And old man Logan, who was you know, still the Wolverine going at at this point, took great glee in just slashing and maiming as many Madroxes as possible while commenting, oh, I've wanted to do this ever since I met the guy. Yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that at all. And Evan bringing up that old man Logan's whole gimmick was that he was manipulated or he killed a bunch of X-Men while under uh, Mysterio's influence. And so he shouldn't want to do things like that, right? I mean, our current Wolverine uh, wound up killing his entire X-Force team under the Pale Girl's uh, influence in the opening arc of the the new Wolverine volume. So I guess it's same as it ever was. But yeah, I thought that whole uh, killing the Madroxes was in pretty bad taste. And I mean, we're not really getting a whole lot of good use out of Jamie to begin with here, are we? Because even take it into our current books here In Empire X-Men He was making dupes Just to send out to be eaten by zombies Yeah, that sucks It's, it's As Evan said here It may have seemed funny in the script But no uh, Also, Jamie as a As a manual laborer Being the entire workforce for Krakoa In the Savage Land and elsewhere It's a uh, yeah, poor Jamie just ain't getting a ain't getting a fair shake anymore. So yes, we are in a hundred percent agreement that uh, that wasn't great, and uh, unfortunately, neither was the ending to Phoenix Resurrection. Here was a little underwhelming. Very very strong first three issues. Issue four started to show show some seams, and then issue five was basically Gene talking to a bird. So. That was that. But uh, also from Evan here, he's got a message for all of you listening along with this program. He says, For anyone who is using or thinking about using Hoopla, which is the free like digital library uh, application, Volume 2 of X-Men, which includes issues 7 through 11, and Marauders Volume 2, which includes issues 7 through 12, are on there now for free. Plus, if you want to read the main Empire story, the Empire trade is there for you. So, big thanks to Evan for sharing that. If anybody would like to check out Hoopla, please do so. Uh, If you're on the fringes of reading this stuff, or if you just don't want to spend the money on it, and you don't have Marvel Unlimited, Hoopla is a great way to do it. I I haven't yet tried it myself, because digital stuff ain't my thing, but if digital stuff's your thing, hey, it's right there. No reason not to give it a shot. So 
Volume 2 of X-Men, Volume 2 of Marauders, and the entire Megillah of Empire, whether we want that one or not. But thanks again, Evan. That's uh, really, really appreciated. It's nice to have someone with all the deets on the hoopla. That's where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, if anybody would like to get a hold of me, you could do so very easily. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics or WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com or xlapsed.chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com. You can chat us up on Facebook about whatever you'd like to talk about. It's Our little group is called 90s X-Men. And you can listen to anything from the Chris and Reggie audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. That'll do it for today. I want to thank everyone for sharing your time with me. And uh, till next time, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. Oh